This is WMUA Amherst, and you are listening to... touchdown he's going to dig a hole and crawl out of this place from there he's going to need a big hole <laughs> they have not made the call yet was it knocked out of his hand before there's the uh, he celebrated too soon no that's jeffco oh, yes. he's got he made the hit leon Lett's still lying in the end zone now he's on his feet and the call by hand the play has been ruled as a fumble in the field of play. The fumble went forward through the end zone and out of the end zone, creating a touchback. Buffalo's ball, first and 10. Leon Lett would have scored, but he slowed down to celebrate at the five yard line. And when he did, Don Beebe, hustling, stripped it away. Beebe is the fastest Buffalo Bill. And Lett, if he had just run all the way, would have had the touchdowns. He's already celebrating, and B.B. sold it away. Boy, that was a close call right yes. at the goal line. Yes, it was. And Leon left. He's kind of acting like, where would he come from, the sideline? He couldn't have caught me. Hello and welcome to Barbarian in the Valley. Your noon to two spot here on WMUA Amherst, or Amherst, as they say... I am the BIQ, I'm the Barbarian in Question, and I will be with you for the next two hours. Of course, our first hour, it's hard to say that I'm actually with you, or that anyone's with you, and you may feel very alone, and that's alright. And then the second hour, we have talk, we have discussion, and we have something that resembles civilization, folks, civilization. Now each week, of course, we have a theme I said now each week, of course, we have a theme. Yeah? Each week, of course, we have a theme. And the theme for this week, for the first hour, is sinking ships. That's right, it is sinking ships. If you want to support this show, this broadcast, this podcast, I want to remind you that at barbarianinthevalley.com, we have a link to our Patreon page. As an enticement, I just want to say that if we can get some money, we are going to be the first podcast in the history of podcasts, I think, that's used aerial advertising. As far as I know, honestly, I haven't checked. But that's the goal, and that's the plan, and your money can make that possible. All right, now look out, because this is the last mountaintop view we're going to get for a while, at least for another 15 minutes. 
and start walking down with me into that fertile valley. And let's not forget that at the base of that valley is the river. And at the base of the river, there is ground still. And did you know that the Mediterranean, that was a valley once upon a time too. Anyway, let's go to the show. Now back in 2000, I think it was, I worked as a web designer. I wasn't really a web designer, I was a web coder. That's maybe uh, one notch down. And I worked at a little company called First Light Communications. Now, First Light, it was a small company. There was probably only 30 or 35 people working there. And I was a pretty junior member because I was a recent hire in 2000. And it was in those real dark canyons of lower Manhattan. You know, those real narrow streets with tall buildings. It had, I guess, a floor and a kind of narrow building, really non-distinct, probably be seven, eight floors up. And for the most part, it was an open floor model. And I worked pretty closely with the graphic designers who I had a kinship with and got in some fights with the people who ran the projects because I had no kinship there. But it was a struggling company. You know, they never really made it big. And it was kind of an oddball crew. You know, these were, it was almost like the drifters of the web design world in a way. The guy who ran it was a nice guy, but he wasn't a visionary, let's just put it this way. And they just had a small smattering of clients, and they had a couple of big fish like Cablevision, which no doubt they overcharged. And so I think that was really floating the operation. But quite frankly, we, we had some like public service websites. It was kind of a mystery to me how anyone got paid in this place, to be honest with you. It was kind of like Bartleby the Scribe. Like, when I think about that Melville story about Bartleby, I think of him working in a kind of shop like this, and it was the same neighborhood. Now, somewhere in 2000, that big new economy, that new internet economy started turning down, and it started turning down very quickly, if you recall. Now, you remember Yahoo? You remember what a big deal Yahoo is? You remember how many millionaires were made millionaires off of Yahoo? You know, the only time you hear that name now is because ancient emails have been hacked. Do you remember Pets.com? Pets.com was the market cap of Pets.com was bigger than General Motors at one point. It was a totally speculative operation about sending very heavy dog food through the mail. And just everywhere you looked, there was some goofy new domain name, some goofy new company. And just like with the housing crisis and just like with every other kind of crisis, anyone who was really using their brain was like, there's something a little bit fishy here. This is frothy. This is going to fall. Well, in 2000, that company started taking a dive. Now, it wasn't a publicly traded company. So, you know... So I don't really think its revenues were being hit hard, but it was pretty clear that it either needed to adapt and find a way to survive, or like all these other companies, it was going to get washed away. You heard stories every day about some massive layoff and how they did it. I remember hearing that in Razorfish, they rounded people up who they were going to lay off, took them down to the basement, and basically executed them, St. Valentine's Day Massacre style. I mean, you'd hear these stories every night. You go out and you get a drink, you hear about these people being laid off and these people being laid off. 
I remember at that time that Ben and the other programmer guy and everyone, all the other leadership of First Light was talking about how mobile technology was the next frontier. That people would be using their phones more than computers for applications. And I just remember thinking, that is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. You're telling me that people are going to use their phones to, to check email and to buy stuff? You're out of your mind. Now, in my defense, I had a really bad phone back then. I mean, it didn't have a screen or anything on it. But this is one of the prime examples, along with the election of 2016 and a few other things, where I totally missed the boat. Because they were right that mobile technology really was going to take over. But it was also really clear that they needed to be bailed out. Well, what they had set up was a visit. So the whole company and the whole office had to get ready for this visit. And this visit was from a Japanese company which was looking to acquire web design companies in the United States. Small web design companies of 30 to 50 people. Well, First Light Communications fit that bill. And so the idea was that these Jap this Japanese parent company would bail out First Light, they'd buy them, and they would keep them afloat. Not a bad plan. And everyone swings into motion and starts preparing for this visit by the Japanese. The office gets painted. Every all the windows get cleaned. There's an excitement and somewhat dread about this visit because pretty much the whole fate of the company hinges on this. And I, I remember being at my desk in the week or two leading up to it. And I remember this one light socket in the office that was totally bare, that was coming out from a column, basically. And maybe two weeks before, I thought to myself, wow, I wonder if they're going to see that light socket. It's really just a bare bulb. There's no shade on it or anything. Like, maybe they should just take it down because it really looks bad. But a couple weeks in, I'm just wondering if they're going to see it. But it, as time passes, it becomes this kind of uh, a slight perverse interest of mine and maybe a thermometer into the company that I decide day by day that I'm just not going to say anything. And when I come in in the morning, every morning I see if that light socket's still there, that bare bulb is showing, there's no lampshade on it, and I think, yeah, this company is not going to get bought by this Japanese company because they're working really hard, but they're missing it. This thing's right in the middle of the office. All you have to do is take a deep breath and look at it and be like, hey, what's up with that metal socket with the bare bulb in it. You know, none of the other sockets are like this. What's going on with this? It's right in the center of the office. And the days keep clicking along and it's three or four days to it. And I think to myself, you know, should I tell anybody about this light socket? And I just, I don't. And then before you know it, the group from Japan are there. And they're kind of hovering around the office. They're looking over people's shoulders. They don't really speak English. One is brought over to me and I try to explain and some kind of hand signals what I'm working on. And, and I watch the Japanese group move around the room and I look up at that bare bulb and that metal socket hanging so, so kind of jagged into the middle of the space. And it's pretty clear to me, they're not gonna buy the company. This company is not gonna survive this. He never came back. 
Then it became really clear that the company was on its way out. I survived two rounds of layoffs, but two months later, I was down on Pine Street with a box in my hand, rounding the corner, calling my mom. Thank you.